this. It certainly has been a blessing to be here with you all. I've enjoyed the time here. And as we come to the end of our time with these meetings, I'd just like to thank you for your hospitality and your care, your warm friendship. Appreciate that. Thank you for the monetary gift. Appreciate that. Trust the Lord will provide for us and uh, for each of you as we go forth from here. Just been really blessed uh, again at the beginning of the service for particularly two two reasons. Um, the first one was the song that we sang, the two songs, the beginning, particularly the second. And just being blessed by the way that God works um, and among different people and how he brings things together. Uh, my message this afternoon is changing just a bit, but still related to the subject. But the song that was picked uh, just portrays that very well, I believe. And I just, I just am amazed how God works. And so I was blessed with, with that song. And then I was blessed with the singing of the young people. It always blesses my heart to see you up here singing. And I just encourage you, keep on. Don't let that go away. Keep singing together. There's so many things that can happen when you sing together. So I've been blessed. Thank you. So the song that we sang, just like to maybe refer to some of those words, tender love of Jesus, so lovely and so pure, flowing through this vessel to strengthen, feel, and cure. All the doubt and turmoil that's caused by sin and shame, making me a witness to his most holy name. My, the title of the message that I have this evening is The God of Peace and the Peace of God. And although this song was not necessarily about peace, we do have peace because of the love of God. And it talks in that song about all the doubt and turmoil that's caused by sin and shame. And what a blessing it is that we can have peace with God um, from the turmoil and the anguish that we experience from sin. And that's what I want to talk about this evening, and I hope to convey to you. I, just, I guess I want to encourage you in this this evening. Maybe the messages so far have been somewhat of challenging, and I don't apologize for that, but challenging us to move forward and, and so forth. But I want to encourage us this evening um, with just the fact of, again, of who God is and what he wants to do for you and with you and what you can actually experience with him. So the God of peace and then the peace of God, Romans fourteen seventeen says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness Holiness and peace. 
Uh, I picked that verse because of those two things that are in there. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace. And then there's another word that comes after that yet, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so when we're living a righteous life, a holy life, and when we can see the beauty of holiness, and we have experienced that peace that only God can give to us, then we can live a joyful life. It brings joy. And we can live a joyful life even through the turmoils and the difficulties that we go through here in life. There's still that inner peace that we can have. So I want to talk about that a little bit this afternoon. So talking about peace, just a, a number of, of facts maybe of, of peace. If my count is right, it's the word peace is used in 431 verses of the Bible. It's been used in every book of the Old Testament except for Hosea, Joel, Jonah, and Habakkuk. And it's used in all the books of the New Testament except First John. Paul opens every one of his, of his letters with some form of this greeting, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He adds mercy to that in First and Second Timothy and Titus, but grace to you and peace. And, and that is my prayer to you, for you, this afternoon and from here out, just that you would experience God's grace and God's peace. What is peace? When you think of peace, I don't know what comes to your mind, and there's a, a number of definitions that can be given for peace, a number of aspects, I suppose. Might be a period of time that you're free from war, so maybe in our country here we have had peace for a number of years in that regard. However, there has not always been peace, but a period of time free from war. Maybe a time that you're free from any kind of conflict, um, peaceful time. Maybe it's just simply rest. You've labored, you've worked, and you rest. Maybe it's that of you're out on a lake and it's calm. Just quiet and calm. Maybe it's that of being free from noise and hustle bustle of life. I know for myself as a teacher and, and going through a day of school and, and the activity that's going on and the noise of the children and everything. And when everybody leaves, I just enjoy that peace. Just quiet. I can think again. <laughs> I guess not that I can think again, but I can think quietly. <laughs> so I, I enjoy that. So, so peace is being free from turmoil and disturbance and anguish and all those kinds of things. If you look at, at the dictionary, I looked at Merriam-Webster's dictionary and just what does, what does the dictionary say peace is? A state of tranquility or quiet, such as freedom from civil disturbances, a, a state of security or order within a community provided for by law or custom. In, custom. It's freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions. And I guess that's the one, that's the definition that probably would come the closest to a biblical definition, in my mind at least, of what peace is. Freedom from disquieting 
or oppressive thoughts or emotions simply because when we have sin in our lives, that's what it brings is, is um, disquieting, uh, turmoil, anguish, um, thoughts and mixed up emotions and so forth. And so when we can get that taken care of, then we're free from that. And, and so I would, I would say that that would maybe is the most biblical definition that we see here. Maybe here's another one. Harmony in personal relationships certainly is a part of that, where we have good relationships and things are going well. That's, that's peace, uh, a peaceful time. Um, I think that's all I'm going to read. There's others that are maybe closely related to what I already read. But the, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom, which you're probably familiar with. You, with, you probably heard of, of that term before. And Strong's would, ident- would I define it as safe. Uh, that is figuratively well and happy and friendly and, and so forth. Also talking uh, of welfare and, and health, um, that type of thing. Vines says, for the Greek word that's used for peace, simply peace. So that's what it is. It's peace or completeness, welfare, health, again. And a lot of times, peace is used as a greeting. As we, I've just mentioned here, Paul started his letters, most of all of his letters actually, with the, the greeting of grace and peace to you. God is a God of peace, but it's up to us as to whether or not we will experience that peace. God has done his part to make that happen, but it's up to us as to what what or how we experience that. <clears throat> I would like to read some verses, uh, a number of them in fact, and you will wonder why I am reading these verses and, and I hope to explain that this, this is a message on peace. But listen to these verses, Romans 1.18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Ephesians 5, 6, Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Colossians 3, 5 and 6, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. And then a number of verses in Revelation. Revelation 14, the same, 14.10, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And a couple verses later, verse 19, And the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. 
Revelation 15:1 and I saw another another sign in in heaven great and marvelous seven angels having the seven last plagues for in them is filled up the wrath of God Revelation 15:7 and one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God who liveth forever and ever and one more, chapter 16, verse 1. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vows of the wrath of God upon the earth. Why do I read those verses when I'm talking about the peace of God? Very simply, because I want you to think again, I want you to understand, and I want you to be overwhelmed with joy to be able to experience the peace of God. Because every one of us deserve that wrath of God that we're talking about right here. There is none of us that are exempt from that. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all deserve God's wrath because God is holy and God cannot condone sin and he must mete out justice for that sin. And so for us to fully appreciate the peace of God, we need to understand that God is also a wrath of God. And, and, and that magnifies, I think, the fact that he is a God of peace because he could just let us endure the wrath that's upon him. He could do that. But he didn't because he loved us. Uh, the tender love of Jesus. Uh, and because he loved us, he wanted us to experience his peace. And so we are so blessed to be able to experience that. And yet, I'm sure that we find times in our life where that peace leaves us for various reasons. I'd like to I'd like to go to Isaiah chapter twenty chapters twenty four to twenty six. Here I'm, I'm I'm struggling a bit with knowing which direction to go, <clears throat> um, but let's go to that again because we're talking a little bit about the wrath of God, and I wanna I wanna read some more verses, but I want us I want to draw our attention then to some verses within those passages that I find. Very comforting. So, chapters 24, 25, and 26, I'm not going to read all of that. I'm going to begin in verse 1 of chapter 24 and, and read maybe the first six verses and then jump over to verse 19 and, and, and read some of those uh, just for, for time's sake. But 
So verse 1, Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty, and maketh it waste, and turneth it upside down, and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. Now, my, my, this chapter in my Bible was entitled God's Judgment on the Whole Earth, and that, so that's what's, what's happening here. Again, God is, is, is meeting out his justice on, on the earth here, and so that's what's happening. Now, notice what it says there in verse 2. It says, And it shall be as with the people, so with the priest, as with the servant, so with the master. As with the maid, so with her mistress. As with the buyer, so with the seller. As with the lender, so with the borrower. As with the taker of usury, so with the giver of usury to him. What is he saying there? He is saying that there is no one who is exempt from this. If you're not right with God, at least, there's no one who is exempt from this. It doesn't matter if it's the preacher or if it's the congregation. God is not... God is not going to treat somebody better than another just because they have a different position than somebody else does. So it goes on to say, The land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled, for the Lord hath spoken this word. The earth mourneth and fadeth away, the world languisheth and fadeth away. The haughty people of the earth do languish. The earth is also defiled under the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore hath the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate, and therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men left. Verse 19, the earth is utterly broken down, and the earth is clean dissolved, and earth is moved exceedingly. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard, and shall be removed like a cottage, and the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it, and it shall fall and not rise again. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall punish the host of the high, the host of the high ones that are on the high, and the kings of the earth upon the earth. And they shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit, and shall be shut up in the prison, and after many days shall they be visited. Then the moon shall be confounded, and the sun ashamed, and when the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and before his ancients gloriously. One of the verses I want to draw our attention to is verse 1 of chapter 25. I read this verse, I don't know how long ago, maybe a month or so ago, and it just just blessed me. O Lord, Thou art my God. I will exalt Thee, I will praise Thee, I will praise Thy name, for Thou hast done wonderful things. And then... The next phrase is what really blessed me. Thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. What more comforting words can we have than than those in a time that we live in? When truth is relevant. When truth doesn't mean anything. When faithfulness doesn't mean anything. You can maybe say that you're going to be faithful, but, oh, if something turns up, then, uh, well, we'll forget that. But God, the, the writer here is saying, Isaiah is here saying here, the counsels of God are wonderful. And they're wonderful because they are faithful and true. And 
That, brothers and sisters, ought to bring peace to our hearts. If we can rest assured that that's who God is, that he is faithful and true. So I, I just appreciate those words as describing the character of God. And it goes on, to, as we read on there, it continues sort of down the same line. For thou hast made of a city a heap and a defense city a ruin, a palace of strangers to be no city. It shall never be built. There shall, therefore shall the strong people glorify thee, and the city of terrible nations shall fear thee. God can do anything, and he can, he can work. He can, he can make a, a city out of a heap. Um, he can make a defense city a ruin. Um, and he can take those who uh, are strong and maybe have denied him to come to the place where they glorify him. I think of Nebuchadnezzar who was proud and, and you know what God did with him and, and to the point where, where Nebuchadnezzar glorified God. God can do all of those things. He goes on to say, For thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge. From the storm, a shadow from the heat when the blast of the terrible ones is a storm against the wall. Thou shalt bring down the noise of the strangers as in the heat of dry place. Even the heat with a shadow of a cloud, the branch of the terrible ones shall be brought low. And I just find that challenging and encouraging, I guess I would say, because if we can truly grasp that and 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 understand that again it just brings peace to our soul because we know that god is in control and god's able to do these things and god's able to take care of you and provide for you and whatever you need god will meet that need now it might not be everything you want and it might not be how you want it but god can provide for your needs I'm going to skip over to verse 1 of chapter 26. <clears throat> and again, I was just very blessed with, with these first four verses, I guess, particularly. In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates, that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. And so there we have some other words there that are just an encouragement to me. The last one there, everlasting strength. Our God is a powerful God for eternity. And kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. But the kingdom that we are a part of will never fall. It's everlasting. Everlasting strength. 
But coming back up to verse 3 there and talking, you know, in relating that to the subject that we're talking about, thou will keep in, him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. So a number of things that impress me, I guess, about that is just the fact that God will keep us in peace if we keep our eyes focused on him and who he is. And remember last night, we looked at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And we talked there about a transformed mind and, and transforming, be there for transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so there, here we have in both of these verses, we have, we have the mind involved. And so as I was looking at this again, it, it, it just occurred to me that you know, when our, when our mind, when we're not focused on God, when our mind is not where it needs to be, then we lose holiness, that transforming power, the renewing power that God gives us. We, knew, we, we lose that, and along with that, we lose peace. Because here it's saying, there will be perfect peace for those who have their mind set on God. Those whose mind is stayed on thee. And then we have added to that because he trusteth in thee. And so trust is another factor that is very important here. Trusting God and just being at rest with what he brings to us and what he allows to come into our life. And and that's difficult. And, and that's not, again, it's something that we we grow in. Um, you know, we have experiences and, yeah, we trust God, but, it, but it's, it's hard and hard to work through. And, and then maybe we get confidence because we have seen how God has carried us through that. And then the next time something comes our way, we're a little stronger, but it can, it can grow again. And so it's, it's a growing thing. But Bottom line is that we need to learn to trust in God and we need to, to recognize that he is an all-powerful God and that he is a sovereign God and that he is in control. Even when it's things that we don't like, that he is in control. And you know, there's, there's big things that come into our lives that we have to learn that, but I, there are everyday things that come into our lives. I think that we need to learn to grab a hold of that fact that we need to trust God in every area of our life. Every day, there's things that we go through, things that we experience, things that come our way. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe it's just the. A little thing as somebody pulling out in front of you and um, you get frustrated because that person pulled out in front of you and now he's driving slow. I, I get frustrated with that, but I am reminded that God is in control and, and maybe I'm too, too, uh, too busy and I've got my agenda, I've got to get to a certain place and so maybe God can slow me down a little bit and get me to think a little bit just by somebody pulling out in front of me. 
I don't know. I just, I just think that there's things that we can learn to trust God in every day, even small things as well as the big things. So, you know, I, I would just encourage you, just, just dwell on these things. Dwell on these words, this, the, the word of God that is given to us. Um, and and let, them, let them speak to you. So how do we get peace? Well, I, I think we know how we get peace, but, you know, I just want to, just want to share a little bit how do we get peace? Um, you know, we must continue to preach the gospel message all the time. And maybe, maybe you think, well, I know. And yet we need to hear that over again. And we have to remember also that we have young people coming along. And so we know the very familiar verses of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might have everlasting life, or might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And so we simply find peace with God. As John the Baptist and both Jesus said, repent. And so as we come to the place where we understand that we are sinners and that we are helpless to close the gap between us and God and that we need someone to help us in that, and that is Jesus. And so we... We recognize our sinfulness. We're willing to repent, which means to turn around and go the other way. So we're not going to continue going the direction we have. And we need to believe. And I believe that word believe, maybe, maybe that's sometimes where, as I was talking about this morning, where the, um, where the gospel gets watered down. Just believe. Maybe we think of believe as just a, I don't know, maybe we don't see the depth of that what that word means, but I believe that word believe means to, it's a deep rooted belief and that we're putting our trust in Jesus Christ. And because I'm doing that, I'm giving my life over to him. I am putting him on the throne and taking self off. And, and I believe that that's, it's a deep rooted belief. It's not just a shallow belief and we have people you know that will just say this prayer and 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 go on and now you're saved and it's more than that it's more than that so anyway so we can get peace with god john 3 36 says he that believeth on the son hath everlasting life and he that believeth not the son shall not see life but the wrath of god abideth on him romans chapter 5 i referred to that a little bit this morning um as far as being a chapter on justification. And, you know, so we're justified, but then we also need sanctification to continue on. Romans 5, verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Right there is the answer. Being justified by faith, by that belief in and trust in Jesus Christ, we can have peace with God. 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verses 8 and 9 in the same chapter. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. The wrath that I was talking about earlier. We will be saved from that through him. Romans 16.20 And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Colossians 1.20 And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him <clears throat> to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. <clears throat> Ephesians 2.14-17 For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. And I believe this passage is talking, <coughs> excuse me, particularly about the Jews and the Gentiles. You know, God had called his people out, the chosen people, the children of Israel. And now, praise God, he is reaching out to the Gentiles as well. And so he's saying here that I have broken down that wall of partition between the Jews and the Gentile, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make him in himself of twain one new man, bringing those two together and bringing them into one, <clears throat> so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which are far off, and to them that were nigh. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working, to, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. 2 Thessalonians 3.16, Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. The Lord be with you. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 is a verse that I referred to, was it last night or Friday night? Um, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Um, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I was referring to there. But here it's saying, the very God of peace sanctify you. So we're talking about a God of peace. And the verses that I have read were bringing that out, that God is a God of peace. That's how it refers to him. In Philippians 4, 7 to 10, <clears throat> it says, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So the peace of God now, it's not the God of peace, but it's the peace of God. And the peace of God is what you can experience because he is a God of peace. But notice what it says there, the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, when you are not at peace, 
with God. That should be drawing you back to him. And so it says that God of peace, or the peace of God which passeth all understanding. And when you experience that, when you fully experience the peace of God in your life, you won't want anything else. And so when you fall into sin or you go a direction you're not going to, that should draw you back to him again. It says, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have heard, have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So I find that interesting in that passage. It talks about the peace of God at the beginning and then comes back again and refers to the God of peace. In Colossians 3.15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. And we should be thankful for that peace that we experience. So how do we lose peace? If we have peace, how do we lose it? Romans 8, 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so you have peace because you are spiritually minded. You will lose that peace if you are carnally minded. So we lose peace if we do not see the beauty of holiness. Romans 8, 7, which is the following verse, says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Romans 6, 21, What fruit had ye in those things, then in those things, whereof ye are now ashamed, for the end of those things is death. And Paul is just reminding you, those things that you had or you were before, um, what fruit did you really have in those? Well, what was the fruit? Turmoil, unrest, guilt, um, whatever. Those were the things that you did have. But And maybe, you're, maybe it's referring to some of the things that you were doing because it says that you were ashamed. You're, that you're, you're now ashamed of those things that you once did. But, but it brings death. And so we lose peace when we go after our flesh. And again, referring back to the message this morning, if we have self on the throne, we might think that's how we like it, but that's how we lose our peace as well. So we lose peace by guilt, by sin. We can have guilt in our lives. I might mention here, so, you know, there is, there is false guilt that we can lose our peace over. But, you know, just if you are, if you are struggling you know, find somebody to confide in and just talk about it and, and see where you're at. Because sometimes Satan will, will will cause us to be guilty when we're not really. On the other hand, he will try to make us not feel guilty when we should be guilty. So we have to be careful, but we can work together in, in helping us through that. And then we lose our peace, uh, as I was referring from the verses in Isaiah, when we do not trust God. 
When we begin to worry about life and about what's happening and about whatever, um, we will lose our peace. If we look at Matthew chapter 6 or 7 in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, maybe just refer to that real quickly. Matthew 6, verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than them? And then it goes on to talk about some more things and come back again to the very thing. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be closed? For after all those things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Can we trust God with that? That he knows our needs? We can believe that he does, but we don't always believe that he will, maybe. And maybe sometimes he doesn't meet him just like we would like for him. But... It does say in verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Sometimes we are going through turmoil and and difficult times and I trust that you can find peace in those times as well. I, I know uh, my brother had a, uh, a daughter that got killed in, a, in an accident. Um, and she was, she was seriously injured, and we knew that. She had brain injuries and head injuries, and uh, she, they had flown her to the hospital an hour away. And, and my brother says that he, he knew that it was bad and he he expected the worst to come out of that. But he said that even in that time, when he knew all of that, there was a peace that rested over him that he could experience. And I believe that God can do that, can give us that peace in those times. And I hope that you can experience that. I want to close just simply by reminding us that God wants more than anything else that you can experience his peace. And if you do not have peace with God, then I would encourage you to, whether it's whether it's not being right with God because of sin in your life or whether it's, it's just not having peace because you're not trusting, uh, whatever it is that's, that it is that's taking your peace, God wants you to experience that peace and pursue that. Allow him to speak to you. Allow others to speak to you. And 
uh, trust that you can come to that place where you can have peace. The God of peace, the peace of God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that we can have peace. Thank you that you have made the provisions for us that we do not need to experience your wrath, but that we can experience your peace. And Lord, help us to recognize the greatness of of that gift, and might it bring joy to our hearts. Lord, help us to to stay in in a relationship with you that will allow that peace to be maintained. And Father, I just pray for anyone who is not experiencing that peace right now, for whatever reason it may be. Lord, would you speak to their hearts? Would you bring people into their lives? Would you help them to open up and just share freely what's where they're at? Because you have provided the brotherhood in order for us to help each other. And sometimes we're afraid to open up to each other and so we cannot receive help. And I just pray that you would give strength and courage to be able to share what's happening in our hearts So again, I pray for those who are not experiencing that peace that you would work in in your mighty way in whatever way you want to allow them to experience that peace whether it's bringing a verse of encouragement to them maybe it's Maybe it's giving them grace and strength to confess sin. Maybe it's bringing a brother or sister into their life to speak to them. Whatever it is, Father, we pray that you would do that because I know that you want us all to have your peace. So be with us as we go from here. Continue to work in our hearts our lives, as was mentioned earlier, tomorrow is Monday. We're back to life again. Might you bring things back to our mind that we have been reminded of throughout this weekend and help us to be faithful. Lord, I pray a special blessing upon this church right here. It's been a blessing to me, and I believe they're a blessing to the community. And I know they're reaching out and have impacted lives, and I pray that you would give them wisdom and strength and courage and understanding and grace to continue to reach out to the hurting people around them and bring people to them and just help them to experience your holiness, help them to see the beauty of your holiness, and Father, help them to display the beauty of your holiness.
We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.